Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Seeing our attendees start to filter in here. Uh, Tom Gucci with the Mortgage Collaborative welcoming you to the latest edition of TMC Tech Talk. This is our newest series uh, on the TMC Connect docket where we're talking about mortgage tech, including current events, new innovations, consumer experience, and really spending some time kind of spotlighting our special guest direct contributions uh, to pushing forward innovation as it relates to the mortgage industry. So while today's episode is live on TMC Connect, uh, you can also view this episode and past editions of Tech Talk on the Mortgage Collaborative's YouTube channel or uh, on TMC Connect podcast forum, wherever you get your podcasts at. Uh, any comments or suggestions for future discussion topics on industry leaders driving mortgage tech that you'd like to hear from in future episodes, you can always feel free to drop those uh, suggestions in the chat, or you can reach out to me or anybody at the Mortgage Collaborative team directly as we love your suggestions. want to make this uh, tailored towards what you want to hear about. So before we jump in, my uh, fun anecdote for today, since we're talking tech, in case everybody missed it in the last 24 hours, uh, Amazon announced Andy Jassy as their new CEO to replace Jeff Bezos, who moves to executive chairman, uh, which I think makes uh, Jassy the officially the most popular businessman in the company, taking or country taking over a $1.7 trillion business and a workforce over 1.3 million people. So get to say you learned something today before we even get started. But on that note, I want to welcome in today's special guest for uh, TMC Tech Talk, and that would be uh, founder and CEO of Capacity, David Cranish. Welcome, David, to uh, TMC Tech Talk. Great to be here, Tom. Well, you've got you know such a dynamic background, and I always like to start these discussions by kind of learning more and sharing with our audience, a little bit more about your background and, and doing some research. Uh, just so impressed kind of with you know, your serial entrepreneurial background through previous tech-based startups that you've been at the helm for. So I want to see the floor to you just to kick things off and kind of share with us a little bit about your backstory, some past startup successes, and what led you to form Capacity? Yeah, so I've been in the tech space for over 25 years now. Uh, originally started out designing and building web pages in high school uh, in the early 2000s, which at that point, uh, if you could build a website, you were somewhere between a wizard and a warlock in terms of your magical powers. Uh, kind of parlayed that into a bunch of different uh, e-com ventures. Uh, briefly had a celebrity fashion website where we were selling uh, Von Dutch trucker hats back in the day. I uh, had another uh, little company where we built add-ons for AOL Instant Messenger, uh, doing text-to-speech. And then uh, I was also part of a mortgage lead gen uh, business called uh, Lending Expo, where we were generating uh, mortgage leads back in the early 2000s as well. Pre- previous to capacity, I was at a company called uh, Announced Media that acquired Answers.com in a take-private transaction. And we grew to uh, about 600 team members across the globe. And then we started Capacity back in January of 2017. And it's been uh, all gumdrops and lollipops ever since. <laughs> uh, sure, no pains along the way and and uh, and getting the startup going, right? Of course not. Oh. <laughs> I love it. You're taking me back to my college days with your uh, your fashion startup, thinking about uh, how the rage the, uh, the Von Dutch trucker hats were uh, back at the time. 
Um, there, were, there were some great hats. Uh, I still have one, one of mine. I look it out every once in a while. But, you know, I also noticed, too, just looking at your backstory, you were uh, the youngest contestant, if I have it right, from The uh, the Apprentice when Martha Stewart hosted? Yeah, so uh, I was finishing up my uh, computer science degree at Washington University, and they were doing a casting call for The Apprentice. And so a buddy of mine said, David, you should go try out. I went, went through all the different rounds. And then toward the end, they said, well, this season, we're going to have two different apprentices going do you want to be with the Donald or uh, the Martha? And they, I ended up going on the Martha Stewart one. So I did not meet our uh, uh, much uh, uh, very opinion, uh, opinion centric uh, previous president, but uh, no, I did get to meet Martha Stewart. Uh, she did have her ankle bracelet on at the time because she could <laughs> be out of the office for I think 40 hours a week. And so it was a little interesting filming that show. Uh, and her uh, hurrying up to get her back to her uh, her uh, nice uh, nice digs, but it was a great time, it was fun fun experience. I had never been to New York at the time; I was twenty two, uh, and it was a really uh, really impactful time in my life. Oh, it's awesome! You beat me to the punch there. I was going to ask if it was uh, pre or post conviction uh, when she was hosting at that time, but clearly right after with the ankle bracelet. <laughs> Uh, just as a reminder for everybody, this is uh, TMC Tech Talk. I'm here today with our special guest, David Grandish, founder and CEO of Capacity. Uh, friendly reminder, any questions, comments that you have on this broadcast or directly for David, you can feel free to drop them in the chat. And uh, if we've got some time at the tail end, we'll look to cover those. Um, but David, you know, we've seen a lot of movement in mortgage tech, particularly over the past few months. I think you've seen a lot of capital raises to support kind of the next wave of innovation and automation in particular. And, you know, knowing that capacity supports businesses and really multitude of industries, you know, from your perspective, uh, as it's more specific to mortgage, you know, what do you see as far as driving tech innovation, um, you know, really throughout 2021 and beyond? I see. I see the tech innovation in the mortgage space being a confluence of different trends that are all coming together. Uh, the first is the rise of everything going to the cloud. I think we all we all seen that. Uh, but the, the sister phenomenon to that is every application having its own API, and so the ability uh, where before many of these systems were closed and uh, unable to connect, now you can build automated workflows that interact with your LOS, interact with your CRM, interact with your uh, regulatory guides. And so uh, I, think the, I think the trend of the rise of the cloud plus the availability of these APIs, adding on top of that the low-code, no-code environments where you don't have to be a uh, card-carrying uh, computer science engineer to, to build out an integration with these systems has allowed the cost of integrating to go down and the value that you can, you can get out of the other end to go up. I think on the other end, you have the rise of AI, um, which is impacting every industry. Uh, financial services as a broad, ter- uh, broad category is one of the biggest benefactors of it. Um, but within mortgage, you've got the unique nature of lots of questions by the consumer, lots of questions from the LO, from the underwriting desk, trying to figure out what can someone uh, qualify for. You've got the regulatory uh, environment of the different GSEs and you know what we can and can't do and your overlays. And then you've got just a myriad of paperwork. Uh, 
uh, you know, we work with one particular client that manages a couple of the call centers for some of the biggest mortgage companies in the country. And they've got whole teams of people that are staring and comparing at different documents, trying to figure out what's, uh, what's available between the two. So I think the rise of AI, both in terms of conversational experiences, as well as intelligent document processing, uh, when you can combine that with workflows and low-code, no-code app integrations, gives you a platform where you can truly start to automate mortgage. And it's so vital, I think, to our industry just coming, well, even still in the midst of really this refi boom uh, as kind of a result of the low rate environment with the pandemic, where you know we're seeing our members within the collaborative network more proactive than ever, really looking through you know, to your point, not only you know, kind of like the help desk related questions that are coming in uh, on a recurring basis, but also internal processes, um, you know, that could be leveraged through AI or, or automation technology to automate that and better use their human capital within their staff, um, you know, to more impactfully drive their origination process forward. Uh, so it's a really exciting time for these emerging technologies within the industry. Yeah, and I think it applies to originators, it applies to servicers, it applies to these outsourced call centers, it applies to the marketing departments, it applies to all the different aspects of the mortgage. Yeah, so true. And I think our industry as a whole is just starting to get a grasp on, you know, different ways this technology can be leveraged to really further streamline their their current processes right now, which let's be honest, are a bit archaic for the most part. Yeah, I mean, when you think about... Um, all of the exceptions that you have when you're going through the, the typical process, uh, you have exceptions around qualifications, you have exceptions around what people have turned, what information has been turned in, you've got exceptions between five different systems that don't play nicely in the sandbox with each other. They're, they're really ripe for a form of automation where you want to just remove as much of the uh, human intervention, unnecessary human intervention, intervention as you can but let people do the things that people do well and surface problems early and show people, hey, here's, here's a way we can cut down the time of processing this loan. Exactly. And I, you know, I think we've kind of led down this path already, but I'm asking you to momentarily use your, your hypothetical crystal ball and uh, give us your perspective on uh, you know, what you see as far as emerging technology innovations that are really best positioned um, to start to grow mass adoption, you know, specific to the mortgage industry kind of in this next year? Yeah, and I, I think a, a lot of the excitement that we feel in this industry is that is the intersection between the technologies, right? So if you think about OCR has been around for a long time, OCR has steadily gotten better and better, and that's good on its own, but combining OCR with machine learning so great, we've, we've extracted the, the text out of the document, but what does that text actually mean now allows you to go process that document and go do things that you couldn't do before, whether it was an escrow statement, whether it was a title or insurance, et cetera. Combining that machine learning with a workflow of now saying, okay, we, we've extracted the text out of that image. We understand uh, what's in this document. What should we do with it? Can we go compare it to our LOS? Can we go compare it to... Um, you know, our CRM or system of record, depending on the type of document. I think it's uh, the technologies in and of themselves are interesting and, and useful and important, but it's where they all start to come together where you, you get these uh, exponential types of returns. 
when you're applying the OCR and the ML and the workflow together and you're integrating it back in your, in your applications, that's when your help desk goes from being a place where people are primarily answering questions to a place where you're primarily automating and people questions are the, the very, very last mile. Yeah, absolutely. And you kind of alluded to it in uh, you know previous response, kind of this confluence of different technologies in you know within the con- uh, the manufacturing process and in creating a greater ease of use when it comes to bringing those integrations together for you know the mortgage lender or the consumer themselves uh, really creates an exciting time for you know how different systems can talk to one another and then how the lender can essentially you know leverage those uh, you know, these technology tools to come together and create an overall uh, more enhanced experience. Yeah, I mean, a couple of very uh, practical examples. We work with one uh, one large bank who had an issue where the the exceptions that would happen around their escrow uh, tax holdover, there would be different different escrow amounts depending on what state you're in, depending on what... uh, even city or jurisdiction you're in. So California has one schedule, but Illinois has five different schedules, whether you're in Cook County or, or which, which particular uh, county you're in. Uh, they use a machine learning model, not only to enact the workflow around what happens with these schedules, but to actually learn the exceptions over time without having to be explicitly programmed. Another example, um, we've got numerous clients that are using us to automatically answer questions into their guides. So if you want to know what the minimum debt to income ratio is on a VA loan, nobody wants to go to page 642 of that guide and try to figure that out. Uh, and so we, we see that as a very common use case of saying, okay, how can we uh, take this particular scenario and walk through it in a way that drives, uh, drives a faster, better process, both for the LO as well as for the consumer. And it's so viable just from a time-saving standpoint of being able to have that help desk or database that, you know, in a simple command can pull in that exact information you're looking for. So you're right. So you don't have to pull out the uh, the thousand-page guideline book and try to find that specific page and example for a reference point. Yeah. I mean, we, we think of uh, the three major sources where your mortgage intelligence lives in your apps your docs and your people. And so from an app perspective, we want to integrate with your LOS and your CRM and your really any of your key uh, key systems that you use. But we also want to connect to your proprietary database. A lot of our clients have all these great systems in the cloud, but there's that database sitting there somewhere that's still handling a lot of the information. Um, so we view your apps as your, your first bucket. Your docs, we've talked about uh, the ability to take a semi-structured document and treat it like it's a database where you can ask questions into it, you can extract from it, start to fill out forms in it. And that's the second big use case area. And then the third is uh, plugging in the information from your team. You'll have in any company, you'll have folks who've been around the block for a long time who just know where all the bodies are buried. And so being able to harness the knowledge of your team and ensure that uh, there's a democratization of who knows what uh, just helps create a better better work environment, a better work experience, and a better outcome for consumers. Couldn't agree more. It, it's really all about maximizing those efficiencies with the tools that we have available to us today that are 
you know, constantly enhancing. So I love it. Um, reminder to our attendees, this is TMC Tech Talk. Tom Glucci here with today's special guest, David Grandish, founder and CEO with Capacity. Um, David, let's kind of talk about the consumer experience here. I think of like Apple and Amazon as an example of kind of the titans in the, you know, American business, really international business landscape that have created an optimal consumer experience. It's really turned their platforms into daily necessities for their client base. And, um, you know, in thinking about capacity, you know, how does capacity approach enhancing the consumer experience and aggregating the data or feedback out there to really optimize that end user experience as well? Yes, yeah, so I, uh, I work uh, in a board capacity with a company that um, has a bunch of ex-Amazonians, I guess. Uh, and one of the things they like to talk about is how Amazon uh, has perfected this concept of what, what they call a perfect experience where they take whatever experience you have, whether it's a front-end experience like one-click checkout or whether it's a back-end experience like your shipping logistics, and they break that experience down into its requisite components. And then from those requisite components, they can then tweak the knobs around what can we do to make it a better and better experience over time. And so uh, when we looked at uh, what that experience uh, looks like in in our particular space, uh, we like to call it that uh, perfect experience in our space is sassy. So it's something where you've got speed at the forefront, right? So nobody wants a slow mortgage. Nobody wants to wait for information to come back. Speed has got to be one of the, one of the first things that that comes back. Second is around uh, uh, accuracy. So it's great if you can pull all this information, but you need to be able to grab it, put it into a consistent format and and do so in in a consistent way over and over. Second A on that would be all of your applications. So that the ability to connect to all the different apps uh, that are driving your processes behind uh, behind the scenes. Uh, next, after that, uh, in terms of the uh, kind of seamlessness of how all the pieces talk to each other, you don't want uh, it to be a clunky experience of your Amazon package going from the shipping place to the from the overseas into the country into the warehouse, onto the truck, to your front door. You want that to be as seamless as possible. Uh, You want it to be integrated in a way where uh, you can continue to add new pieces to the puzzle. So as your tech stack evolves, um, you don't want to work with a vendor that, uh, frankly, has you locked into a a unflexible arrangement. And then lastly, the E is the everything store. You think about Amazon, they started in, in books and then moved to CDs and DVDs but they designed it in a way where every transaction you have can be a uh, consumer transaction can happen within that site. Very similarly, uh, we, we're very, very big believers that you don't want to work with a collection of point solutions in this space. You want to be able to have a platform that can power all of your workflows, all of your engagement, whether it's internal for your team or external for your customers. And so having that kind of sassy experience and, and and you notice a lot of what, what I'm talking about here is just best practices borrowed from companies like Amazon and Apple. We are seeing the Amazonification of the mortgage space. It's so true. I love the uh, the SASE acronym, by the way. But because the the tech stack in the industry is evolving at a much more rapid pace, I think these days and you know years or decades past, you bring up a great point. It's so vital to kind of have that infrastructure in place to be able to continue to grow at and adopt or adapt, I should say, as 
you know, the industry continues to innovate or as we're better able to bring these different components together in a more seamless experience for the borrower, the, the lender, and really everybody involved in the manufacturing process. Yeah, I may have, may have told this one before, but someone, in, uh, one of my professors in college said, you know, the reason that civil engineers and mechanical engineers don't get along is that with mechanical engineers, if it doesn't move, there's a problem. With civil engineers, if it moves, there's a problem. <laughs> so very similarly, I, I think uh, most of our tech stacks in this space have been built out in a civil engineer type environment where we didn't expect this stuff to move. We, we put it in place and we didn't expect that things were going to add over time. Uh, I think the modern uh, modern tech stack is more of a mechanical engineering mindset where these pieces are going to have to move. They're going to have to fit together. And we're going to expect to be able to add on to them over time. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And it's so important to have that, that infrastructure and be aligned with the right providers that can create that experience and be able to build upon. Absolutely. So quick reminder for everybody out there, any questions or comments that you have on our broadcast or directly for David, you can go ahead and drop them in the chat. And if we've got some time, we'll try to cover those. Um, but I want to spend some time kind of shining the, the spotlight here on capacity. Um, you know, there's been some uh, kind of relatable themes in this discussion, you know, along the lines of the Amazon example. And we were talking real briefly before we went live here, mentioned a story I had seen just last night about how they're using you know, AI equipped cameras on all their delivery vans, really designed to improve driver safety by flagging a you know, series of potential safety infractions. Um, and I mentioned this because you know, I think there's so much viable usage out there for AI-based technology globally in the way that businesses operate. And you know, in business or in mortgage and I guess in business at large, it feels like we're just kind of scratching the surface here on how we can effectively leverage uh, you know, this unique technology. So I wanna allow you to kind of give our audience the feel of, of how your clients leverage capacities, AI technology, you know, as the help desk of tomorrow today. And then, you know, maybe on the back end of that, to the extent that you can allude, um, you know, I'd love to give our audience a teaser for what is coming down the line uh, for new innovation at capacity as well. Yeah, uh, I think it's a great lead in. From, from a technology perspective, I think we've mapped our tech stack back to those three sources of company intelligence. So if you think about your knowledge base, your knowledge base tends to align well with the knowledge of your team. Uh, you think about chatbots, you think about internal chat, external chat, think about deflecting those uh, level zero support questions. Uh, we, that, that's one pillar of how we've built out the platform. Second piece are your workflows around all of your applications and your processes. How do we go and take uh, every process in the organization and come up with a way of making it easy to use, as automated as possible, and something that can be easily understood down the road? And then in the middle, we've got our help desk, and the help desk lines to your team where when a person does need to step in in the middle of a process, you want, it to, you want to give them all the context. You want to make sure they don't have to repeat steps over and over again. And you want it to be something where um, all that information is searchable, it's trackable, it's, it's got um, all the requisite help desk needs that you want. And so your knowledge base, your workflows, and your help desk are the three pillars from which our platform then goes and applies these various solutions out. So as an example, you know, you think about um, automating a onboarding a new LO. 
Well, there might be a component of your documentation and training that is, comes out of the knowledge base. There may be questions that the bot could then deflect uh, that somebody might have as they're going through and they're trying to get up to speed. You've got your workflows around uh, you know, various onboarding processes and all the different parts you need to get, get going and, and get effective. You've got your help desk when your first question comes in around uh, something that maybe couldn't be answered very quickly. You want to be able to route that to the right person in the right way. And so what we, what we try to do is we try to map our three pillars, our knowledge base, help desk, and workflows uh, back to the particular use case that you have, whether it's cutting down the time in your guides, answering consumer questions on your site, helping you onboard new LOs, reducing the tickets going into your your call center or your support desk. Uh, these are some of the big big themes that you see us doing. In terms of where we're heading with it, uh, I, I look at us building on top of each of those pillars. Uh, from a knowledge-based standpoint, we originally started with documents and Q&A. Now we're treating those documents like a database where you can ask questions into them. Uh, you can redact a document and send it out. You could go in and... Uh, see that this document has 80% of the fields filled in that you needed and the 20, you're the 20% that you need to go update and go update them. Um, so really treating all of your documents like a database that can be accessed throughout the org. Within the help desk, uh, we've got a bunch of new uh, features that we're, we're rolling out, uh, a lot of which involves plugging the help desk into the different pieces of the, of the, of the puzzle. So as an example, we've had a live chat capability for a long time. Now from a live chat, if you need to create a help desk ticket, you can go do that. Or um, from a workflow, if a workflow hits a point in which it cannot go forward, we can go create a ticket in the help desk. And so we're, we're designing it to where the help desk can be the linchpin across the entire system. And then on the workflow side, I think it's the part that I'm most excited about. Uh, we started with a guided conversation platform where you could ask a question to the bot and it could take you down a decision tree depending on where you want it to go but we opened it up to a full-fledged workflow platform that can coordinate multiple people and processes together so that you can automate really anything you have going on behind the scenes. So you'll see us adding more RPA flavors into the platform. You'll see us adding uh, additional uh, steps of automation. Uh, we're doing a big approval rollout later this year. So you'll be able to handle all of your approvals and capacity. Uh, but really it's, it's just the, the intersection of those three parts, your knowledge base, help desk and workflows. Uh, coming together around the, the various use cases in the mortgage space. Well, it's awesome. I appreciate you sharing and I share in your excitement as well, because you're right. It is really the, the building blocks that can take place from those three pillars. And you know, really the sky is the limit as far as, you know, kind of building upon those components and making them, uh, you know, work seamlessly within an operation. I mean, I even think too, your, your first point on the help desk is so relatable to when I was a trainer back at a lender and I'm thinking about all the handholding I had to do with like a new LO or a new op staff member um, on that onboarding side and just thinking, you know, so many people in the lending side think about, you know, having like the, the help desk or bot accessible on the website to answer very high level questions or, you know, maybe start up like an application process. But I think of it from an internal infrastructure standpoint and how vital it could have been to me, uh, you know, on the, the training side and being able to get, you know, new additions to a team up to speed quicker, especially in this remote environment 
where you know they can kind of type in um, a lot of the direct information or resources that they're looking to seek and not have to necessarily ping an internal resource and then wait for a response or direct one-on-one help. It can really expedite a lot of that time frame um, as well as just the the human capital it takes to make that all happen. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because you know we've seen some organizations that have said, we're going to build out technology externally, consumer-facing. We've seen a few that have done, done the approach of saying, we're going to go internal. We, we fundamentally believe it's a false dichotomy to pick one or the other, because a lot of the questions your LOs have are the questions your consumers have. A lot of the same bot technology and the acronyms you have internally is the same things you have externally. Uh, we have a client where uh, they haven't implemented us in their intranet yet, but they've got team members who are like, we need to move capacity over because we get better answers from our external bot than we do on our internal one. It's the same, it's the same, same knowledge. Set. So uh, we, we really think that you should have a platform that can stand the test of time for both your consumers and your team. I couldn't agree more. There's such an overlap of information sharing there. It only makes sense that, you know, your end consumer has the same access as your internal team if you're really going to maximize uh, your efficiencies and really your overall operation. Yeah. And the other thing, too, that I think a lot of people miss out on is, uh, you know, we've got one client who's like, David, we've used Google Analytics for four years we've gotten more insights from what consumers have asked us through your bot in six months than we did the entire time looking at all of our search queries. Cause we have the in-depth conversations of what's going on and what they're asking about. Similarly, people do internal, uh, internal surveys around satisfaction and questions. Like we get more in, more insight into the pulse of our team by looking at the questions people are actually asking the internal bot than some of these external sources. So I just look at it as a way not only to answer the questions of your consumers or your team, but also to give your management team the, the insight into like, what are people talking about? What should we improve? Where can we go spend our time? Exactly. And you're right. It's almost kind of an untapped component that people aren't thinking about is how do you then leverage the insights from that data you're collecting uh, to improve your own processes? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about experience. It's about your consumer experience. It's about your team experience. And you cannot move the ball on those unless you have the requisite data uh, to know what you should be spending your time on. Couldn't agree more. Well, David, this has been fantastic. I really, you know, appreciate you taking the time out to to be my guest today. I was excited for this interview because I think you've got such a dynamic background and you bring such like global but specific insights as well that are very relatable to our peers within the industry. So just really appreciate you imparting your knowledge on us and, and obviously the partnership with Capacity. Hey, Tom, we, we really appreciate it. We're big fans of TMC. Uh, and we love the fact that within TMC, uh, the, the folks that we work with are so lean forward. Um, it's a group where uh, people come to us and they're, they're like, hey, David, here's our issue. Can, can you help? And most of the times we can, sometimes we can't, we'll tell them that. Uh, but we, we want to work with folks who are just trying to build a better experience all around. Absolutely. I no, appreciate that. That uh, you know, It's a fun group to work with and really forward thinking uh, membership and partnership as well. And then, you know, sky's the limit for where we're going to head to. Absolutely. Awesome. 
Well, quick programming note for our attendees. Uh, coming up at the top of the hour on TMC Connect, we've got a session called Hindsight is 2020, and it's an origination recap for uh, last year's volume, as well as relatable insights for 2021, and it's from our partners at FBX and Informa. Uh, actually just got done at two o'clock reviewing the eastern half of the country, so come back and join us at the top of the hour as they recap their insights for the western half of the country. And uh, we'll be back two weeks from today for next edition of Tech Talk with uh, special guest Lori Brewer from LBA Wear. And uh, David, again, thank you for your time. And uh, to our guests out there, uh, until then, if you're talking TMC, you're talking tech. So be well, friends. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.